You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks. Glad to have you listening in to our latest postcast. And thankfully, it is not going to be the last one that we have for the 2022 season. The Seahawks are playoff bound as always. A special thanks to all those 12s out there for taking the time to listen in. And I apologize for starting this show after like three different cancellations or postponements here, had some craziness to the Lions-Packers game, awaiting whether the Seahawks are going to get in the playoffs, and then some hotel-related issues. That's what you deal with as a commuting reporter. So again, greatly appreciate you taking the time to listen to Locked On Seahawks six days a week with our postcast, as always, on Sunday. Now for your lead story here on our latest postcast of Locked On Seahawks, the Seahawks are officially playoff bound. They had two things that needed to happen today to get into the postseason for the final spot in the NFC. They had to take care of business against the Los Angeles Rams, which certainly was not an easy task against a motivated team to end a disappointing year on a strong note. And they needed the Detroit Lions to take care of business against the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau Field. And if the Seahawks won their game ahead of time, the Lions weren't going to have anything to play for. So that certainly added another wrinkle to the equation here. But the Seahawks get both of those things to happen. 19-16 to 16 victory over the Rams in overtime. Again, it was way more difficult than I think a lot of people expected it would be, given the fact the Rams were coming in with 11 losses, the most losses by a defending Super Bowl champ in NFL history. But this team was a game. They showed up and had the lead 13-6 to 6 at half. So it certainly didn't look like the Seahawks were going to get their own business taken care of, and yet they found a way to get it done. And then the Lions, the Packers had the early lead, but – number of mistakes by Aaron Rodgers and the Lions were able to capitalize and they get a 20 to 16 win with a fourth and one conversion late in the game. They threw the football. That's Dan Campbell for you. Always biting off kneecaps and they're an aggressive football team. They get nine yards on that play, and then they can take a knee from there. So everybody in Seattle rejoicing at that point. Let's look at the Seahawks victory because obviously here on Locked on Seahawks, that's the biggest deal. Seattle getting to that ninth victory to ensure a winning season, and that's what really put them in the position for the Lions to be able to help them out and get them into the playoffs. This was a really interesting game in the sense that Geno Smith, he said it after the game, and if you watched the game closely, he was right on this. It was the worst game he has played this year. He threw an interception on the first play of the game to Jalen Ramsey. I think DK Metcalf may have had a little bit to do with that. Probably could have ran his route a bit crisper. It allowed Jalen Ramsey to slip underneath, but certainly not a good look for Geno. And he had another pick against Ramsey. Should have had three interceptions. That second one was dropped by Quentin Lake, a reserve safety. So the Seahawks had a few bounces that did go their way in this game that helped them ultimately win this one in overtime. Geno certainly did not play well. The Seahawks were one for 11 on third down. That continues to be a major problem for this team now going into the playoffs, set to face the 49ers on Saturday. But there were certainly some pods in this game. Let's start with the defensive side of the ball. The Seahawks were down 13-6 to at halftime. In the second half, the defense comes up big. They hold the Rams to just three points after halftime, less than 60 rushing yards in the final three quarters when you include overtime. Four punts 
an interception by Quandre Diggs in the extra period. So they had five stops on six possessions in the third quarter or later. This game was really about the defense getting the job done for the Seahawks and supporting Geno Smith in an offense that were not able to put a lot of points on the board. And the run game really came up big too. Ken Walker III was 73 rushing yards in the second half as well as overtime. He had 36 rushing yards on six carries in that extra period. They got 34 rushing yards from Geno Smith as well. So really the two things that saved him in this game, Geno Smith's legs, he made some big runs, had a penalty on Jalen Ramsey with a, I guess you could say it was a questionable late hit out of bounds. I thought from the press box that looked obvious watching the replay, though, it was a bang-bang play. So maybe that was one that the refs shouldn't have thrown a flag on, but certainly not the wisest decision by Jalen Ramsey. But Geno Smith's mobility and his teammates picking up the slack, particularly on defense, getting a bunch of stops in the second half, keeping the Seahawks in, in the game, even though the offense was not able to get untracked and they were struggling with turnovers, the defense picks up the slack. We haven't been able to say that very many times this year. And so the Seahawks were able to turn that standout defensive effort, which really was spearheaded by the pass rush. This was the second straight week that the Seahawks were able to have at least four different players get sacks. They had 10 quarterback hits in this game with Bruce Irvin, of all people, leading the charge with one and a half sacks. And they had a bunch of other pressures on Baker Mayfield. And to me, that was really the difference because when the Rams built this lead at 13 to six at halftime, they were having a lot of success running the football and running bootlegs. In the second half, the Seahawks were able to make adjustments. And every time that Baker Mayfield was rolling out, they had at least one defender ready for him. A couple of times they had multiple defenders ready for him. And suddenly those plays that were working so well in the second quarter in particular were not working anymore. And Baker Mayfield couldn't get the job done in those situations. And so kudos to Seattle's edge rushers. They got some contributions from secondary players as well. Kobe Bryant with a sack on a nickel blitz. That pressure coupled with really tight play in the secondary. There were a few big plays on crossing routes in particular. That's always a theme against Sean McVay coach teams. He's had so much success doing that with the Rams over the years. But the Seahawks were able to get stops when they needed to. And holding the Rams to just one touchdown, that was a big deal. In a very low-scoring game, you had wet conditions. It was slip, slippery on the field as well. And so this, again, ended up being a defensive battle. Now going to the other thing that needed to happen, again, the Detroit Lions coming up in the clutch. That was a game that early on. On Detroit, those were the tiny little mistakes that end up being magnified in games like this. But Detroit kept punching the Packers in the mouth, and they probably could have had three or four interceptions in Aaron Rodgers if not for untimely penalties that were—they were good penalties, they were correct penalties called against the Lions. But it took away several turnovers. But Kirby Joseph comes up with a huge interception late in the fourth quarter, and that led to that final drive. The Lions didn't score any points, but they were able to ice out the clock with a huge fourth-and-one conversion. Dan Campbell, season's going to be over after this game. Let's roll the dice. Let's go big or go home. They're going to go home with that winning record, which is a big deal for the Lions. So Seahawks fans certainly will be thanking the Lions for a long time for this opportunity to get into that number seven spot. If they wouldn't have held up their end of the bargain, the Seahawks would be one of those many teams that would be done with their season. Instead, they get to play the San Francisco 49ers coming up on Saturday afternoon in the wildcard round. And Rob Rang and I will be breaking that matchup down the next several days on Locked on Seahawks. But beating the same team three times in one season is incredibly difficult to do. Even as town as the 49ers are with 10 consecutive wins in that vicious defense, 
Seattle's going to have to play 10 times better on offense to have any chance to win this football game. But again, that third time is very challenging for familiar foes to sweep a season series and then beat a team in the playoffs. It's very difficult to do. So Seattle's going to be looking for some revenge after losing the season series, both games to the 49ers. They did only lose by eight at home a few weeks ago. So they're going in with a two-game winning streak. They've won three of their past five games, a little bit more momentum after that really rough stretch early in the second half of the season. They're hoping that that carries over into this playoff game and gives them a chance to maybe pull one of the biggest upsets in the early wild card round in the NFL playoffs. We'll have plenty of time to dive into that, but we're going to continue breaking down this season-ending victory for the Seahawks to get into the playoffs with some momentum. Going to be checking out our game ball winners coming up next year on our postcast edition of Locked On Seahawks. This postcast edition is brought to you by Tommy John. Winter mornings are brutal, so here's my tip for tackling the day in comfort. Make sure to grab new Tommy John loungewear and take cozy wherever you go. When you start the year in Tommy John, you're that much more comfortable, so you can do everything better. Tommy John loungewear, pajamas, and underwear have dozens of comfort innovations like luxuriously soft tri-blend and micromodal fabrics with four-way stretch and no lint balls or fuzz. With over 20 million pairs sold and thousands of five-star reviews, people love Tommy John. That's why Tommy John doesn't have customers. They have fanatics. Like this Tommy John fanatic who raves, I bought one pair of loungewear and after wearing them for two days, got all the other colors available. The only place I don't wear them is in the shower. For me personally, I love the comfort of Tommy John. No matter when or where I wear them, you can't find bettas and underwear. Get 20% off your first order at TommyJohn.com slash locked on. Again, that's 20% off right now at TommyJohn.com slash locked on. See their website for details. You're listening to our week 18 Locked On Seahawks postcast. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Again, my apologies for this postcast coming out live a few hours later than expected. This was very interesting circumstances with Seattle having to wait and see what happened in the Packers-Lions game, and they get the outcome they were looking for with the Lions pulling the upset, a rare win on the road at Lambeau Field. And so now the Seattle Seahawks get to enjoy going to the postseason. And this is what's great about Pete Carroll's tenure in Seattle. They have never had back-to-back years without making the postseason. And that trend continues with them sneaking in with that final wildcard spot in the NFC with a commanding 19-16 to overtime victory over the Rams. Let's get to our game balls now. On offense, going to start on the outside. There were a few other players that I considered for this final game ball in the regular season, but we got to go with Mr. Reliable. Number 16, Tyler Lockett, four receptions, 54 yards, and a 36-yard touchdown. Obviously not the best game of Tyler Lockett's career. We've seen him go for over 100 yards several times. He's one of the top five receivers in Seahawks history for 100-yard games for a reason. So statistically, this is not the biggest game, but Lockett came up with big catches in key crucial moments for the Seahawks in this game. They were down 13 to six early in the third quarter, first possession for the Seahawks. Geno Smith comes out three for three over 70 passing yards and over half of that coming on a perfectly thrown rainbow down a skinny post to Tyler Lockett, who again emulates Willie Mays as much as you're gonna see a football player do it on the gridiron with the over the shoulder basket catch, gets both feet down inbounds, looks grateful doing it and fires up a crowd that honestly was extremely silent late in the first half with the turnovers that the Seahawks had 
and the problems they were having moving the football and offense, that really got the crowd back into the game with that explosive 36-yard touchdown. And then on the game-winning drive in overtime, Jason Myers getting a little bit of redemption, but before that could happen, Lockett beats his former teammate Bobby Wagner on a crosser across the middle of the field. Geno Smith hits him in stride. He picks up 17 yards to get into Rams territory. They get a couple other big chunk plays, including a 20-yard run by Ken Walker III. Myers, after missing the end of regulation, gets his chance to redeem himself and banks it through the uprights. And so that wouldn't have happened, though, without number 16. And Lockett coming back from a shin injury, the hand surgery he had a few weeks ago, how quick he came back from that, the toughness that he exudes, the reliability, the effectiveness in a variety of different ways running routes, making plays, not his best statistical game, but again, the only touchdown that the Seahawks scored offensively, it came from Tyler Lockett on one of those long downfield passes that he is so known for. Highlight real catch back in the end zone. Seahawks don't win this game without him coming back and playing. 100% and playing at a high level. And oh, by the way, he's now the fourth or second receiver pardon me, second receiver with four consecutive 1,000-yard seasons in Seahawks history, joining only Steve Largent to accomplish that feat. Now he's done it with two different quarterbacks during that streak as well. Just really points to you the consistent greatness of Tyler Lockett and finishes the regular season on a strong note and looks healthy going into the postseason, which is certainly good news for the Seahawks. They try to pull the upset against the 49ers. On the defensive side of the football, there's a lot of players that I considered that had better statistics, maybe when you're looking at sacks and total tackles. Then Lieutenant Nuosu, Bruce Irvin comes to mind. Daryl Taylor had a big sack in this game. But Nuosu, if you watch the game closely, I don't know that a defender had a greater impact from start to finish when you're looking at run defense and rushing the passer than Uchenna Nuosu did. Four quarterback hits in this game. He was constantly smacking Baker Mayfield. A couple of them led to key incompletions on third down. He was given a partial sack, and he had two tackles for a loss in the run game. And I think that was probably the most interesting thing about this season from Uchenna Nuosu. Everybody knew coming off of his previous four seasons with the Chargers that he was an athletic edge rusher. He had five sacks and 40 pressures last year. Everyone was anticipating that he was going to bring some punch to Seattle's edge rush, getting out of the quarterback. But I don't think people realized how good of a run defender Uchenna Nuosu is. And today, with Cam Akers coming into this game, back-to-back 100-yard performances, he was as red-hot as any running back in the league to close out the season. Yet, Nuosu had a couple of plays where he stonewalled Cam Akers behind the line of scrimmage. And then you saw him chasing after Baker Mayfield all afternoon on his rollouts getting to him when he was trying to step up in the pocket and making big hits on him. He was doing a little bit of everything. So while there's other players that had more statistical, uh, statistically great games on Sunday, I don't know that you can overlook the impact that Uchenna Nuosu had beyond the box score. Those countless pressures that he had on Mayfield, the two big stops in run defense, getting a partial sack so there's at least something on the stat sheet. I thought he played extremely well. And by the way, there were several times you could tell he was playing through pain. He was out of practice a couple of days this week with a foot injury. There were several times that he was slow getting up after tackles. He could tell that he was not feeling 100%. Didn't matter. He kept that motor rolling. So this was another really impressive performance. Didn't get to double-digit sacks this year. Finishes up with nine and a half, just like Daryl Taylor did. But still, an outstanding first season in Seattle. And he's got a chance now to get after rookie quarterback Brock Purdy next weekend and try to help the Seahawks suddenly resurgent defense 
try to get them to the divisional round in the NFC playoffs and on special teams. I'll admit that this was one that would have gone differently if not for the way that the game ended. But let's give some credit to Jason Myers because Myers missed that 46-yard field goal at the end of regulation that was the textbook definition of a doinker. It doinks right off of the right upright, and he slammed it into there. That was like, you know, he was doing a competition for accuracy, hitting the upright. He would have scored almost a perfect score right dead on, but unfortunately that means it's not going to be counting for three points. And so at that point, I thought maybe Jason Myers had lost this football game for the Seahawks after they were able to put together that last second drive to get down in field goal position for him. But as he has done all season, like last year or last week when he missed a field goal against the Jets, he came back and made another one after that rebound from it. Same thing happens in this football game. The Seahawks have the utmost confidence in Myers, and why not? He made 24 consecutive field goals at one point this season in a 13-game span. So he's been as reliable and automatic as any kicker in the NFL. The two, two misses in the last two weeks, that has been out of character for most of this season. But he comes back. 32-yarder splits the upright with ease and right down the middle. And it's funny. He was telling reporters after the game that he does not like the football in the middle. He wants it on either the left or right hash. And the Seahawks were able to do that. The miss came on the right hash of the end of regulation. They got it to the left hash in overtime. And he pays off that extra opportunity that was granted to him by Quandre Diggs' interception of Baker Mayfield. Splits the upright three-point win, and the Seahawks at that point, they could celebrate and then hope the Detroit Lions would get the job done, and they did. But again, Myers three for four. He connects on three of his four field goal opportunities, made his lone extra point. There were other players that could have been in consideration here. Michael Dixon had a couple booming punts. They also got a couple nice tackles on special teams from Derek Young, but biggest three points the Seahawks have gotten all season came in a time of redemption for Jason Myers. So Myers gets the game ball here for the season finale. Coming up next, we're going to get to our final three up, three down of the regular season. Which players stood out in Sunday's win over the Rams and which players will want to bounce back in their playoff game coming up and, and maybe play a little bit better this upcoming Saturday. I'll get to our studs and duds for the final week of the season coming up next year on our Locked on Seahawks postcast. This postcast is brought to you by Ultimate Football GM. I'm really geeked out about our new partner and sponsor of today's episode because if you've ever dreamed of becoming an NFL GM and managing your own football franchise, that dream can now come true. This game is definitely for you. Manage every strategic aspect of your team, play through the season, and lead your team to glory. You're responsible for hiring the right coaches and coordinators, trading players, making draft picks, navigating your franchise through free agency and the draft, and all the ups and downs of the season. All of this in a challenging, realistic game world. Ultimate Football GM. GM is completely free and it's playable offline. You can play on the go as you want and when you want to. I'm currently managing the Honolulu Sharks. It's been a really rough first season. I'm going to have to hit next offseason on a few players to really turn things around and start beating other locked on hosts in our virtual league. It's a blast and our listeners should join in on the fun in their own league. Locked on Seahawks listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code locked on in the game store. That's locked on in all caps. So make sure to check it out today. You're listening to the week 18 postcast of Locked On Seahawks. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. A special thanks to all the 12s out there, as always, for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. The Seahawks capping off the regular season with their ninth victory, ensuring a winning season for the Seahawks in a year that had very low expectations. 
after trading away Russell Wilson, releasing Bobby Wagner. Yet they go out and they win nine of their 17 games. And now, thanks to the Detroit Lions, they are heading to the postseason, the final wild card in the NFC. Let's get to our three up, three down, our weekly studs and duds for the Seahawks coming off this season-ending win that catapults them into the postseason, a 19-16 to overtime win over the Rams. Let's get to our three up first here, starting on the offensive side of the football. I talked about it earlier. Tyler Lockett had a big game with four receptions for 54 yards. But as he talked about after the game, give some credit to the young wide receivers for stepping up in this contest, in particular, Kay Johnson and Derek Young. Neither one of these players had a catch in the entire regular season going up to this game. They both had two catches in this game, and all four of those receptions went for first downs. Now, they didn't always happen on scoring drives, but Derek Young's led to a field goal. Kay Johnson had another reception that led to a field goal as well. And so for these two guys, Johnson, a practice squad call-up, Dariq Young, a player that's mostly been on the field for run plays because of his blocking prowess, for these two guys to step up in a game where nobody really had an elite performance in terms of catching the football, Geno Smith is struggling, but for these two receivers to come through and get four combined first down receptions, that was a huge lift for an offense that was otherwise struggling most of the afternoon. And it gives Geno Smith and Shane Waldron, for that matter, confidence that if these two are needed in their playoff game coming up on Saturday, that those two will be able to get the job done. So impressive season finale for those two. And then on the defensive side of the football, a couple of standouts here. Got to give kudos to Bruce Irvin. And, you know, there's a chance that this could be his last game in the NFL. As he was telling reporters today, he said he thought he was going to retire each of the past two seasons. The Seahawks pull him out of his unofficial retirement midway through the season. And he's played way more snaps than he thought he was going to. And there have been some ups and downs. He's had some games where his run defense has been below his normal standard. His pass rushing has been up and down. But he has more sacks this year than he's had any season since 2019. And he caps it off with one and a half sacks on Baker Mayfield. So that was a really strong finish for him. There were a few misses in the run game where guys were able to get outside wasn't able to set the edge, but nonetheless, a really strong performance for him leading a pass rush with five guys that had sacks. He leads the way with one and a half. So an impressive performance for Bruce Irvin that is now going to get him into the postseason for the first time since he was with the Raiders a long time waiting for him to get back into the postseason and staying on defense. Kobe Bryant at the slot cornerback position I mentioned it earlier. He had the first of the five sacks that the Seahawks had in this football game. He was blitzing from the nickel spot on the first play of the second possession for the Rams. They got gifted three points after Geno Smith's opening interception. And then Kobe Bryant gets after it with a nickel blitz sack, gets to uh, Baker Mayfield, and the Seahawks led to a punt on that drive. He had really sound coverage most of this game. I believe I can tally one missed tackle for him, but otherwise he was getting guys to the ground. It's really been fun to watch the progress that this fourth-round pick has made this year, and he's got a lot of room to grow, uh, but this is a player that has really quickly acclimated to a position in a slot that he didn't play at all at the college level when he was the Thorpe Award winner at Cincinnati. He played on the outside. He's only going to continue to grow at that position, and maybe his future is still on the outside, but it's been exciting to see the progress that he has made at that position. And now let's get to our three down, the duds for this week, and I hate to pile it on because, again, when the Seahawks needed some plays down the stretch, Geno Smith made it happen, especially with his legs, that drive that 
concluded with a 36-yard touchdown. That was the Geno Smith we saw most of this season going three for three for 72 yards through the air and assaulting the Rams. The problem is that most of the game he wasn't like that, especially early on. He throws the interception on the first play of the game. I thought his second should have been pick was the worst one of his three really bad throws today where Quentin Lake had an opportunity to pick I keep that back to the end zone, and we're probably having a much different discussion than we are having right now. Rams probably win the football game if that gets picked and taken back to the house with how much the offense was struggling for the Seahawks. And then his third pick, he gets blasted, but still double coverage DK Metcalf throws behind him. That ball never should have been thrown. These are the kind of mistakes that we've seen a lot more from Geno Smith over the last month or so. He's talked about being overly aggressive. I don't even know if that's being overly aggressive. He's just not playing within himself, and they need him to rediscover the way that he played the first 10, 12 weeks of the season in this playoff game against the 49ers if they want to have any chance to pull the upset in that third matchup between these NFC West rivals. So there were some positives, but certainly this was a really difficult game for Geno Smith, even with the records that he was able to set, including breaking Russell Wilson's single season passing yards. It happened in a game that didn't necessarily play out the way that he wanted to, and it was not a performance that he was proud of afterwards, even with the victory and securing a playoff spot. Staying on offense, DK Metcalf, you know, it's really difficult here because he had 40 receiving yards, which was among the top three on the team, and yet it felt like there were missed opportunities for number 14. Let's go back to that interception to start the game. It was on a slant. And I thought looking at the play in real time that it looked like he was drifting on that slant a little bit. And then going back watching the replay, that's exactly what happened. It was not the sharpest route that we've seen DK Metcalf run. And when you run a slant and you're drifting, it opens the door for the corner, especially one as gifted as Jalen Ramsey to be able to undercut the football and intercept it. That's exactly what happened on that play. There were a couple of other opportunities where it didn't seem like he was as aggressive going back to the football to try to make a catch as what he needs to be. At his size, that should be a strength for him. And so I don't think he had a terrible game necessarily. There were some questionable things that he did after the play that he's lucky he didn't get busted for penalties or kicked out of the game. The extracurriculars, somehow the Seahawks have got to find a way to reel him back a little bit in that regard. But I just didn't see the performance from him. I was hoping coming off that really rough game against the Jets where he only had three receiving yards, he had a much better day statistics-wise, and yet it felt like most of this game was a non-factor, and Geno Smith was really trying to force the football to him. So both these guys, Geno and DK, they have got to play much better this week to have any chance to beat the 49ers. And on defense, the Seahawks only gave up 16 points, so you're going to be hard hard pressed to find players that had rough games. But there's one play in particular that stood out to me that really defines the season for the Seahawks defending the run, and that was on the Rams' only touchdown drive or actually was the field goal before their touchdown drive, but Cam Akers ripped off a 32-yard run that put the Rams in a field goal position, tied the game 6-6 to at that point. That play never should have happened. It was third and one, and Mike Jackson just completely abandoned his edge-setting responsibility against the run. Jonathan Abram maybe should have been there at that point too, but he was playing further inside. Mike Jackson completely abandoned his post as the outside corner, and there was a massive lane on the outside, complete contain bust for the Seahawks on defense, gave up a few receptions on a third down as well. 
missed a tackle. They need him to play better. I thought that he had done a nice job the last couple of weeks in this game. Even though the Rams didn't score a lot of points, they only passed for 147 yards. There were some plays left in the field for Mike Jackson. They're going to need him to play much better next week given the talent that they're going to be facing on the 49ers offense. And San Francisco is probably going to be full strength, too. And I would, I would anticipate Debo Samuel is going to be out there along with Brandon Ayuk, Christian McCaffrey, and George Kittle. So all of these defensive players are going to have to step up and play at their best, especially against the run with a team like the 49ers that's as good at running the football as anyone. So Mike Jackson has got to be able to handle his responsibilities, his assignments, setting the edge and outside runs. Wasn't able to do that in this football game. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can check out Locked on Seahawks, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon. And we're streaming five days a week on YouTube as well. Coming up tomorrow, Victory Monday. Some Monday musings coming out of the regular season finale. The Seahawks are playoff bound. Rob Rang and I are going to share some more thoughts coming out of Sunday's victory over the Rams. And, of course, we're going to be peeking forward towards Saturday's playoff game against the 49ers of the Seahawks season being prolonged at least for one more week. We're looking forward to breaking down that third matchup between the NFC West rivals. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday night. Thanks for listening in. Go Hawks.